Hello and welcome to the Whistle Stop Tour of what a kid's world is like for 2015. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to take you, um, take you through some of the key insights that have come out from our discovery uh, researchers' uh, kids' qualitative media tracker. Um, this tracker is conducted with kids aged 3 to 16 and their parents, and this has been going on for, for the last five years. Um, the aim of the tracker um, is to explore the key changes that have occurred um, when it comes to kids' consumption interaction with media and how this has changed over time. Um, so what does 2015 hold? Well, you may be surprised to know that kids are using the internet. Okay, we know this is not a new trend, but what is changing and, and what has been the pinnacle of change for 2015 in the children's media landscape is that kids have forged ahead in terms of how they're um, using their connected world to find things, consume things, and interact with things. Um, this generation have never known a world without being connected, so it's no surprise that Wi-Fi, for example, is more important than air, water, and potentially their parents. Um, so we wanted to kind of tell you about a kid's world in 2015 um, and introduce you to some of the lovely respondents um, that we spoke to. something that she enjoys the look of and then the language sort of comes second and she's not really that interested because she I think she enjoys having it to herself. Wheels of Ages. Wheels of Ages and the second one? CBBC. My favourite apps are Instagram, Snapchat and YouTube. YouTube, iPlayer, Netflix, Minecraft and Subway Surfers. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch and Akinator. Uh, Netflix, GTA Los Santos, YouTube and Spotify. Snapchat, Instagram, Spotify, BBM and YouTube. The only thing I really look at in like the evenings when I'm like when I go to bed I I watch on YouTube just like videos so I do like before I go to sleep. It's good because like not it's not all about money like TV is because some people they don't do it for money, they just do it, they just make videos and they don't get paid like for performers. it. And they get to express themselves and do whatever they want to do and we watch it and we just feel the same way and feel like wow they've actually done this for us. If something big happens in YouTube, it's going to be on YouTube, something big's happened. Everyone, everyone in the world is YouTube. Yeah, they do get us because they allow people of all ages to express their feelings and you can relate to that. 
Miranda Sings. Miranda Sings. Pointless look. He's got two. Um, Tanya Burr. Tanya Burr. Occupied Smosh. They've all got like 30, 20 million, 20, yeah. like 20, 30 million. And then there's also the group called The Sidemen. So both of my children have their own separate profile and Astrid, who is three, is still really into um, Peppa Pig and Barbie. She watches a lot. Because my son had one first and then my daughter felt left out, but actually it's a really nice thing because what they watch is different and then it's all there kind of in their own folder, I suppose. Felix would always go to Netflix. And how do you find Ninjago on Netflix? Well, it's actually right at the top of my Ninjago, of my Netflix. So, and it's something where you can watch like videos and like films and stuff. It's got loads of films on it. And it's a film website. And programs. Yeah. And programs. And programs. And series. My life is actually on Instagram. Everything. Everyone knows what I'm doing, basically, every day, I guess. But in a good way. In a good way, but only your friends or people you follow know. But I was like, I'd rather have no storage than have no Instagram. So 2015's been quite a big year. We've seen kids' perceptions of media change. They no longer actively look for content. Content comes to them. They no longer have to rely on just one device because they actually have three other devices that they can use. Um, so kids are standing up proudly and actually saying that 2015, it's all about me 24-7. And all about me philosophy revolves around three key things. It's my freedom to choose what I want. It's my freedom to choose what I want when I want it. And lastly, it's my freedom to choose what I want, when I want it, in my own way. So central to all of this is, is control. Um, and kids are reveling in that. Uh, and, and it's one of the things that allows them to embrace the amount of content that there is. Uh, they can organize it. They can find stuff. But actually, the way they're finding things is what's really interesting. And it's that that's kind of changed. I think in 2014, we, we talked about, from our tracker, we talked about the way that apps had really shifted traditional searching, and kids weren't using search engines. You know, the search engine I icon app was just one in a sea of apps. Actually, that's only got further and further away. Um, and what, what's at the centre of all of this and control is the tablet. And the tablet has been this real kind of step change for kids. Putting that in their hands has allowed them and afforded them this control that they've never had before. And it's happening at a younger and younger age. I think in the Ofcom stats from, from this morning, um, Alison was saying that seven in 10 households in the UK now got access to a tablet in, in the household. Now that, that's huge, and that's come from nowhere. This isn't a slow build up. This is a, an explosion overnight, and it's really affecting the kids that are kind of under the age of, of about six, because they're getting control, um, and it's like a control center for them, their tablet, 
which actually is influencing how they think about other media on other devices. It's changed their expectations, for example, of what they think they're going to get and see and how they can control TV. Um, and I think it's that kind of control and manipulation that's really starting to shift and change their attitudes, even at that kind of preschool age. And it, it really kind of uh, came through to the parents that we spoke to when some of them were saying, God, do you know what? Actually, the first time my child watches a TV program won't be on TV. Actually, more often than not now, and I can see this as a trend, the first time they watch a TV program is going to be on a tablet now. And that was a real kind of wake-up call for some parents about how things have changed and, and are shifting. And we're not saying that kids aren't watching TV, and that's not the case at all. But what we are saying, and what about all about me 24-7 means, is that kids just see screens. Tablet is just another screen. The mobile phone is just another screen. The TV is just another screen. Thus, content is no longer um, device-led. And this fluidity um, leads parents down a really difficult challenge, especially at bedtime, because there's no start point and there's no clear end point. Um, a great example is Emma, who we spoke to, who's um, 12 years old, and her friend Laura recently got into Dance Mums. So one Saturday morning, she started to watch it. Three hours later, she's like, I really like this. I'm going to see what, what's on YouTube. And then a few hours after that, she started following them Instagram. Now, Emma is probably going to move on to another program a week later, but you can understand how one, the interaction from one device can quite easily lead on to others. Um, and All About Me 24-7 means that kids want and need content instantaneously. Um, and like we saw last year, content, um, perceptions towards content is thought to be disposable. Kids don't want to own content, they just want to lease it. And Spotify and SoundCloud are great examples of this because you can create playlists, share it with your friends, listen to it as much as you want. But when the next new fad comes out, you can just dispose of it and move on to the next thing. So we're talking about the way they search for things and this kind of disposability. Um, one of the other ways that they're they're searching for things is they're, they're kind of their their social networking apps are gathering uh, information and feeding them. Um, and that that's helping them sift through the amount of data. Um, but also, they're starting to shift, and this has come through really strongly this year, that I've never, I've never really been convinced by Siri myself, but kids seem to love voice-activated searching. And they're saying, well, why would I not do that? I'm texting, writing stuff in. You know, I don't even use that when I'm sending a text message. Well, I don't send text messages anymore, I've just... Um, yeah, that, that's my age, sorry. Um, <laughs> when they're WhatsApping or BBMing or whatever, then actually they're saying, I, I talk in the world of emoticons now. You know, I don't really write much stuff, so why would I write stuff to search it? You know, I'm searching by images, I'm searching by video, I'm talking to, to, my, to my phone, to my tablet now. And that's something that, that we see as a real kind of start point where kids have really embraced that a lot more than adults. You know, and they're having conversations and they're thinking it's great fun to engage with their device and get a kind of conversation almost going to some extent. One of the byproducts of kind of visual and video and this kind of real desire around visual and video content is that kids also love creating it. Now a few years ago when we were doing research, 
we couldn't find the child that was creating the YouTube videos. You know, they were out there somewhere, you know, but now we, every child in our, in our research is creating something to share it. Now those, those kind of social networks have evolved and changed over time, and some of them there weren't around a couple of years ago. But actually, this is something that's, that's really kind of changing that, that landscape as well, is that not only are they searching for and finding things, they're creating a lot of content as well. And it kind of comes back to Zuckerberg's law, which is the notion that each year consumers will share twice as much content as they did in the previous year. Um, our kids are doing way beyond that. You know, they're really leading the way in that, in that sense. And it's video that's really kind of at the forefront of that as well. Um, and I think one of the things that, that's, that's really important is that they're, they're looking at the way that they're kind of creating things on and offline. So one of the things is that these worlds are colliding now. And I think in a couple of the earlier presentations, we were looking at play and has digital changed the way that kids play? Well, in our sample, one of the things that was clearly happening was that play was an extension between online and offline. They were going to YouTube to learn how to do something, to then do it physically, but also record it, take pictures of it, edit it, upload it, share it, and the cycle begins. So kids don't really see a kind of content sort of in isolation, as it were. So there are content providers who are kind of acting very much like a channel, for example. So where they've got something online they're acting like a channel kids don't even really understand the phrase channel they don't know what a tv channel is really what they understand is content and they want their content to be kind of seamlessly move across two different platforms and the tablet again is really helping this at the younger age where play is really I I exaggerated before they become the uh, the teenager looking at the social media in a little bit more isolation well, no surprise, YouTube is definitely on top of the, the list. Um, and it's the default place for kids to go, to find things, to create things, to share things, um, to find out what you know, others are doing. Um, and it, it, the, the reason why it's so popular is because it's always changing, it's always evolving, it's flexible, it can be personalised. Um, and we, we asked this question, you know, what would happen or how would you feel if YouTube was taken away from you? And this is probably one of my favorite quotes. Wow, a world without YouTube, that's a big thing to take in. You wouldn't want to take days off school because you would not have anything to do. <laughs> um, I, I lived in a world without YouTube and I can say that's not true. Um, um, but it's also where kids go to, to have a voice and for that voice to be heard. And increasingly, it's now a place where kids, kids can go um, to, to listen and to find out about new types of celebrity. YouTube has given rise to peer celebrities that differ from everyday celebrities that you would find, say, in films or in TV. These peer celebrities are felt to be really approachable, trustworthy, um, and real, and just part of the everyday life that, that kids lead. Um, and their following is unbelievable. Zoella, who is um, kind of we've shown here, um, is reported to have more subscribers than the top five women's magazines in the UK put together. 
Um, and Alan talked about the offline and online worlds kind of merging together. Zoella has released a book, which all the girls in our focus groups were talking about. They've had it. They, they've bought it. They've bought the two books that she's released. Um, other YouTubers that some of the guys or the boys mentioned uh, have been um, at events, which they're really excited to kind of go and, and meet them. And some of them have released clothing lines, etc. Netflix is another one that's been a big mover and shaker in our, in our kind of tracker in the last year. And one of the reasons why it goes back to an earlier chart, which is it's using visual um, search really well, um, especially for those under sixes who, let's face it, you know, they're, they're not kind of an, got really good reading skills to go through an EPG and scroll ahead of it and read it and then read what's coming up. What they want to see is a video and they want to see a little loop of the video or, of, or an image of which of their favourite cartoon characters. And Netflix is doing this really well. And I think the other thing that it links back to and why Netflix is being really embraced by kids is because it, it gives them their own world, so it's all about me. You know, that's the content that I want. But also, it's dispensed with any channels. Um, as we mentioned earlier, it's just a collection of content. And that's what they want. They feel that that's much more speaking their language than trying to put them into a box. Snapchat does this really well as well. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of discussion around Snapchat, and there was a lot of kind of you know concerns around it. Our kids kind of fell out of love with it for a couple of years, and now they've really embraced it again. Um, and one of the things that it does really well for them is that it's evolved over time. So it's really embraced video a lot more. It's embraced being able to add friends. You just tap your phone against somebody else's phone. You know, it's made things really easy to add people. But also, it's allowed them to focus in on their stories, and it's become about them. They're the center of attention. And what, they, what our kids in our sample have really liked is taking pictures and video across a day and uploading their day in a life of story. They don't really care about the fact that it all disappears. They're not hung up on memories and photos in the same way as emotionally we are as adults. In actual fact, it's a way of controlling content. It's creating it, using it, recycling it, and it, it disappears. Actually, they, they're not hung up on that, and that's why kids are leading the way in the kind of evolution of Snapchat being one of the biggest movers and shakers in social media and social networking of the moment. It's a real resurgence story with kids. Um, so what does this all mean? Um, well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's all about them, uh, all about me. They don't really care about you. Um, it, it's all about being able to personalise content, have the content that they want um, to interact with. Um, and, and they're not looking for a, a fake relationship. That They kind of want it to be real. Content is king, and that's never going to change. But what's important to remember is that um, content is not just for one screen. It needs to be for all screens that kids have access to. Content is leased. They don't want to own it. And you have to remember, content is disposable. What's in fashion this week is probably going to be out of fashion next. So if content is king, then how do we kind of how do we talk to kids? You know, how do we get in this it's all about me world? And I think one of the key things that they talk to us about that we want to impart to you is it it's all about the banter. And the number of times that that comes up is really strong. 
Um, you know, using banter to create uh, relevance is, is queen if content is king. You can have all the content in the world, but if you haven't got a connection with them, then they're going to ignore it. And actually, this is the key learning that, that we talk about. Uh, and it, it sort of brings us on to our, our final example. <laughs> Lovely. There we go, Karen. Um, so one of the things is that we said this, this and this isn't a political point, actually, <laughs> um, luckily. Uh, this is kind of a point about how one company really rode the wave of banter. And that company is, is Nando's. And this is when your Nando's is extra cheeky. Um, and this all started with an exchange between uh, a UK child or teenager and, and a counterpart in America who said to him, hang on a minute, what, what is this new product? You know, what is a cheeky Nando's? I love the sound of that. Is it extra spicy? Is it a new chicken burger? What, what is it? Now, the answer you're going to have to look up if you don't know it. It's a brilliant story. It will entertain you for hours. Um, especially if you're English and especially if you're under 20, then you'll really get it. Um, but it is all about the banter. Banter is the rapport that you have, the kind of jokes that you share with a friend that really only you understand. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, it's all about that chat that you have with your friends, that informality that can create a bond. Um, it's kind of very English in its sarcastic nature as well. Um, now, this conversation that happened, and we've got just one minute to do this. So this conversation that happened was the American not understanding sarcasm in that sense, that, that kind of banter. And so actually, the, the story that goes around has created more than 100,000 tweets. It's created more than 20,000 Instagram hits. It's created 10 YouTube channels with over a million hits on them. This has created a huge social networking wave. Now, Nando's has looked at this and said, do you know what, we're gonna embrace this. We're not gonna fight it, you know, because the, some of it's not that complimentary about us. You know, the type of youth that, that loves a Nando's um, is a bit extra cheeky, shall we say. <laughs> but they wrote it and they said, you know what, we're gonna embrace this and we're going to take the piss out of ourselves a bit. We're going to let them create it. There's a lot of memes like this that were created as well. Um, anyone that's got the kind of cockerel sign, which is the Nando's logo, um, has been used in that way. And actually, this was what kids loved about it. They said, you embraced us. You let us run with it. They got themselves in, in a huge amount of positive light because they found the guy that started this and they gave him a lifetime reward card, <laughs> as much Nando's as you ever want. <laughs> right? He was the Bantasaurus Rex. He, needs, he needed rewarding. Um, but they also took the mick out of themselves, and they've, kind of, they've gone with that a lot more. And I think, it, just to finish up, it's the acknowledgement that a cool brand, and let's face it, did we ever really think Nando's was that cool? Probably not. But a cool brand goes with the flow. They understand that we're always changing and they adapt to it rather than fight it. And that's a really kind of important point about making sure you remember that it's all about them. They want it to be about, they're the centre of their own universe. Um, in the previous session we heard about they don't like recommendations. Well, this is it. They, they don't feel that Nando's was trying to join 
to start that conversation. They just harnessed it, and that was what was really important. That's a, a really key learning and hopefully an insight into banter for you. <laughs>